Hey y'all, it's Kiara, and thanks for tuning in to another episode of For Realness Sake. It's the end of the year, so for the next few weeks, our theme will be understanding our why. Your why is the reason why (laughs) you do the things you do. It's your passion or your purpose. It's your mission in life. And with all the twists and turns of 2020, it is so important to have a clear understanding of what you're doing and why you're doing it going into this next season. This week's guest, Tashika P. Harris, answers that question why for us. Tashika is a wife, a mother, a minister, an author, and a motivator to women and girls across the world. But if you would have told her that she'd be all these things in her younger years, she may have looked at you sideways. (laughs) Her organization, Crowning Daughters, is a life-changing program for young girls and women that will empower its participants to embrace their best selves, all while understanding the importance of beauty beyond the outer and learning to build healthy relationships. Let me just say, I loved this conversation. Tashika has such a way with words, and I hope you get something out of this because I definitely did. Trust me, you're going to want to grab a pen and some paper for this one. Before I go, I want to give a super special shout out to my youngest listener. His name is Joshua, and he listens in the car with his mommy all the time. I just want to say hi, Joshua. I know you favored the episodes with Dante, but I'm so glad you stick it out and listen to the ones with me too. (laughs) I hope you have a great day. Thanks so much for listening. Let's get into this episode with Tashika. to introduce yourself to the folks okay hello everyone all listening ears <laughs> i am tashika harris and i am the founder of crowning daughters for success enrichment program i am the author of the dressing my inner beauty journal and protect your pearls that's coming out 20 20- 21. Um, I am a minister for over 20 years, but most of all, I am a wife, a mom, and a child of God, which is way more important on my uh, spiritual resume than anything else. Yes. (laughs) I would have to agree with that. Being a child of God is definitely number one, and all things else follow with that. So you have such an awesome story. It really is a story of just perseverance and keeping it going and wanting to be the best version of yourself. And I just want you to go ahead and just tell us about you, who you are, how did you get to this place that you're in, and just give us the story. Well, you know, um, It's such an amazing journey. Um, Growing up in a teen parent home was very difficult, but at the same time, uh, receiving the love from a teen parent, someone who uh, I actually grew up with because my mom was 17 um, with my brother and myself. And um, 
her inability to teach us all that we needed to know did not undermine the love that she had for us. And so receiving Mm -hmm. that genuine love, even though I grew up in a difficult environment, taught me life skills, taught me common sense, right? And so when I had the opportunity to mingle and connect with other people, that that foundation of love is, is what kept me, is what caused me to always look back at self to see, you know, how I could do better, how I could learn more and and what was truly in me. You know, my mom was told she would never amount to anything. We were looked at as if we were never going to amount to anything because of how we started. Um, I'm here right now, 45 years old, and I'm able to tell you that where you start is not the the defining factor of where you're going to end uh, because that teen mom took one look in the mirror and said, you know what? She asked herself two questions. Do I want my daughter to be like me? And I think she did this when she was maybe 27. And do I want my son to marry someone like me? She answered no to both questions because at that time she was living that young life. She was living a life like she didn't have children, okay? And so when she answered no to those two questions, maybe 25, I'll say, because I was maybe in the second grade (laughs) when she did all of this, right? But she had me when she was like Mm -hmm. 18, 17, 18. She enrolled in beauty school. And from that point on, she created with the help of God a different path for herself. And now she is able to look in the mirror and say, wow, is my daughter proud of me? Would my son, if he was alive, be proud of me? And she can answer yes to both of those questions. And so she did something different. And that's, that is when she told me that story, I had to do something different because our surroundings were teenage pregnancy. Our surrounding was a lot of poverty, a lot of complacency. When she did something different, she set a new level of expectation for me no matter what situation you're in, you can always do something different. Mm, that's a message right there. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's what I learned from my mom. And that's what helped me in no matter how bad the situation was and no matter how right the situation seemed, I always think in the back of my mind, can you do something different? And that is because of my mom. I always think back to my dad, us visiting. My dad was very much in my in our life, even though they were teens. And we would go visit our dad on the weekend and we thought he was rich. We would dig in this jar full of coins and he would say, go to the candy store, get whatever you want. I mean, we would dig in with quarters and nickels and, and we were like, he is rich. Well, when, 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 when I was of age to understand, guess what? He saved that change for us. He saved, that was all the money he had. And he knew he would have us every single weekend. And we thought he was rich, but that is what he saved through the week. So we could go to the candy store and eat hot dogs, but we were with him. So sacrifice (laughs) is what I learned. And I also learned that you don't have to have a million dollars to love and appreciate each other. Wow. Yeah. I, I I am just really... You said something that spoke to me when you spoke about how your mom 
basically examined herself Mm -hmm. and said, am I doing enough? Basically, is this enough where I am right now? And that takes a lot of courage. It takes honesty, uh, Mm self-reflection. And I just wonder how many moms do it. Like how, how, as a 28 year old woman, there have been times where I've had to do that. And to have that sort of honesty at 28 and really the maturity to say, Mm -hmm no sis I'm not there yet you know mm-hmm. or no there's still more things that I need to do mm-hmm. <sighs> wow. yeah it was brave because if if if, yeah. if, you're, if you're surrounding yourself with people that's doing the same thing that you're doing right now and then you think to do something different you have to have courage to not go yeah. with the flow it takes courage to go the opposite way of everyone else so it was a lot of courage and so when you see me you see a lot of examples from my parents even my my bonus dad my I met my bonus dad when I was four years old and they set a pace that him and my dad got along my mom and my stepmom got along we ate dinner together my dad was at my house two o'clock in the morning sometimes playing games with us and my stepdad bonus dad would come in and say hey I ain't playing with y'all tonight I'm going to bed hey Charlie (laughs) and they still right now to this day ride motorcycles together and I don't even live where I grew up at and they keep in contact with each other so what you see in me is not because I'm such a perfect person it was because I had a good roadmap from people who others looked at as the bottom who looked at Mm. as, oh my God, I don't want to be like them they're teen parents but they taught us principles that school couldn't teach us that, that is amazing to me. And it, it even speaks volumes to what you're doing now because my mom was a team, my mom was a team mom as well. And it's not easy doing that. It's not easy raising kids when you're really a kid yourself trying to figure it out. Like I said, I, I couldn't imagine. I've told her this several times. I couldn't imagine um, being 26 with two girls. That's like a, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes, yes. That's a lot. <laughs> And yeah. so, <laughs> listen, I and just so, think back to the crap we gave my mom, like, oh my God, we took advantage <laughs> of her having to work hard. Okay. <laughs> you created your own example for other girls mm-hmm. where when I was a kid, I could have used something like this, some mm-hmm. sort of outlet to be able to express myself and just kind of get a better understanding of who I am at a younger age. So I would have probably avoided a lot of situations that I, well, I yeah. was placed in. Tell us about how you got into crowning daughters and just what, what is that all about? So my why is very simple. Um, as a product of teen parents, I wish I had a program like this. And one of the quotes that motivated and put passion behind my, um, my why is from Frederick Douglass, build strong children so that you do not have to repair broken men. And I switched around a little bit because I I observed so many broken girls, so many girls who looked in the mirror and didn't love themselves, so many girls who did things they didn't wanna do to please people, so many girls who defined themselves um, because of an environment and because who they were born to. And so they were broken. And I felt like the tools that I could give them uh, through the Crowning Daughters for Success program would repair their mental, would repair their spirit before the world got to them, got to them, you know? Um, 
the world got to me and I made horrible mistakes because I was a broken girl that thought because I was beautiful, that pretty answered everything. And mm. so I had to make real choices, right? And then go through real consequences. It was obvious that pretty didn't answer anything. And so that is my why behind the Crowning Daughters for Success program. And even with the addressing uh, My Inner Beauty Journal, helping girls to see that it is what's within that will help you battle and overcome challenges because what we, the extrinsic things that we possess outwardly can't answer anything. Everything that any extrinsic thing answer is temporary. Mm. Intrinsic value is lasting and it has lasting solutions. When you say things like, you know, dealing with the inside and wanting to, to, to build that confidence in that way, what are some of the tools that you use to help these girls feel more confident and to go out in the world and, and, and be better for it? Well, you know what? Over, uh, doing this for over 20 years, this is the whole reason why I, I actually was obedient and wrote the dress in my inner beauty journal, because it's all about the intrinsic. So we start with a healthy self-esteem. The way you see you is how you're going to allow others to treat you. The way you see you through Christ's eyes is going to assist you in building a value system, not on the world's terms, but on the terms of God. And so once that value system is built, now your value system is what shapes your choices. And your choices yeah. is what shapes your character. Your character is what draws people. All right. A lot of times people think, uh, oh, that's my friend because... I got short hair or because I wear Gucci uh, jeans. No, a lot of times people are drawn to each other based on character. That's my friend because she acts like this and I act like that and mm. we complement each other. And so helping young girls build a, 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 a value system that's going to produce healthy choices, then we know that they're going to be at a low risk of, of involving themselves in unhealthy relationships. And um, I implemented this program, female by birth, lady by choice, helping girls to understand I every female that was born was called a female at birth. That is what's on your birth certificate, okay? But a young lady, you have to earn that title. And there's mm. certain things you have to do. You can dress like a female. You can have all the body parts of a female, but a female will not get you to young ladies' status. That takes character. That takes a value system. And so these are the hardcore things that I introduce to girls for their, their uh, inner beauty toolbox to help them on their journey of be becoming a, a more likable and a more productive self. Mm, I love that. And when you mention that, it makes me think of when I was a kid and my mom, she was actually on the podcast before and we, and we kind of talked about it then, but when I was a kid, I had like the lowest self-esteem. I don't know what happened along the way, but it was just, I just had a super low self-esteem. And one of the things my mom used to do to sort of, and it, it kind of mirrors what you're saying, in a sense where it wasn't always about what I look like, it was inside. Cause I could have on the best clothes, the best hairstyle. And I would still feel like 
like I wasn't enough. And so my mom would, um, she stood me in front of the mirror a few times and she would say, you know, look in the mirror and tell me what you see. And, you know, obviously I didn't see much. And so she would say, you know, what's your name? And I would say, you know, my name is Kiara Taylor and blah, 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 blah. And in the beginning, I would say it so small, like you could barely hear me. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of our exercise, <laughs> mm-hmm. after a few times of doing it, I was more confident with that. And nothing had changed outwardly. I still looked the same, still, still had on the same uniform, you know, the same everything. But on the inside, something had shifted for me. I realized who I was at 12 or however old. But I was like, wait a minute, my name is Kiera and I am somebody because that's what she would have me say. And words are powerful. So regardless of whatever was going on outside of that moment, through that, I learned confidence and I was able to carry that on. So I think what you're doing is very important. Yeah, it's it's super important, especially for girls who don't get a lot of amazing examples of women and, you know, of Black women, especially as a Black girl, being able to see those positive examples, those little moments of that positivity, of that confidence-boosting conversation really does carry them a long way. Mm-hmm. So I, I that yeah. is amazing to me. What has been the most impactful thing that you've done with this program? What, if you could even name one, <laughs> what would that be? I'll say two things. Okay. One, bonus. One, I'll give you a bonus. One thing <laughs> that I feel that I've done uh, that has assisted with the impact of this program um, would be follow-up. Many mm. of my participants through organizations or through parent sign-ups, I have a connection with them now. One of my oldest participants is like 30. Wow. (laughs) 30. Yeah. She's a nurse. Wow. I met her when she was 14. And I just text her the other day. Wow. So so when, when, when I think about every young person that has come into my life, many hundreds of them, hundreds of them mm-hmm. still have contact with me. They text me, they call me. I've gone to baby showers. I've gone to weddings. I've helped, you know, um, write reference letters. One of them was with me when she was eight. She's in graduate school. I wrote a reference letter for her wow. to go to nursing school. So I'm going to say the longevity of relationships. It's not I empower you and leave. I mentor mm. you and leave. Many of the girls who, who wanted to stay in contact, there, there are some definitely unforeseen situations why some haven't. I'll say they know they can still come to me. And that, in my opinion, is worth any pro any lesson I can teach is them knowing that they can come to me and I'm a life lesson is my second one. Um, when I went through a divorce, many of them met me when I was married because I was married for about 11, 12 years. Um, and during my divorce, uh, a couple came to me because I didn't announce that I was getting a divorce. I didn't speak bad of my ex-husband. I still lived um, the life that I needed to live. And, and, and they came back 
And I didn't even know they knew. And they were like, we watched you. And the integrity and confidence that you kept, you lived what you taught, which made us respect you even more. That was one of the biggest biggest compliments I believe I could ever receive is that I just didn't teach it. They saw my life and they saw that my life, I'm not perfect, please. But <laughs> the consistency is what earned a lot of stripes with them because I wasn't just telling them to be a young lady and I was out here acting like a fool. I wasn't mm -hmm. telling them to watch your relationships and I was in and out of relationships. They saw me exemplify what I was teaching. That was wow. one of the two of my greatest impacts. And I would say those are some awesome impacts to have, especially because when you do have these sort of programs for girls, there is a cutoff where it's like you don't really know if you're supposed to speak to this person ever again, but that's that speaks to your character. Now, aside from crowning daughters for success, you are also a minister, <laughs> which is no surprise <laughs> because you have this air about you that just speaks grace and elegance. Mm. So why don't you tell us about your ministry and how did you get into that? Guys. I did not want to, okay? I'm going to tell you, <laughs> I really thought that I was going to be a supermodel. Like, I went to Barbizon in the 10th grade. I went through all of my Barbizon steps. I moved to Orlando. So I went to FAMU for two years. I moved to Orlando. I went to college, and I actually started working for Barbizon. I was the director of education. I was... Uh, mm -hmm auditioning at Disney and flying to New York for photo shoots. I was in wow. like magazines and a prophet came to me and she said, you think you're going to be a supermodel, don't you? And I was like, mm-hmm. She was like, nope, <laughs> nope. God says you're going to be a role model. And I did not receive it, did not receive it. I was like, I can be a role model and a supermodel, step back. And my brother was killed like uh, four months after I got married. So I was, I, I married my first husband oh. when I was about 25 mm -hmm. in October of 2000. And my brother was killed January, 2001. And at that state, mm -hmm. I could have gone to God or to the devil, period. That's where my mindset was. It was no in-between, no lukewarm, either I was going to be hot or cold. And so I cried mm -hmm. out to God and I said, if you just heal my mind and not let me go back to who I was because I had then became saved and, you know, just gave my life to God at that point. I said, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I know we hear that y'all. I know we hear that through every testimony. God, if you save me, I'll live for you. <laughs> listen, that was my, listen, I had nowhere else to go except either the devil's hands or God's hands. And the devil was offering mm. me some mighty good looking treats. Okay. He was, he was offering me revenge. You know, my brother friends was calling me up what you want us to do. We can head out to Texas right now. You know, we want you to, I could have done like some devilish things. And I said, God, I want mm. you. And he said, well, then you're going to preach for me. And I was like, I've never preached except to my dolls when I was like in the second grade. <laughs> and, you know, I went to my grandfather who was a pastor and I said, granddaddy, God has called me to preach. And he said, really? And I did my first sermon at my grandfather's church in Jacksonville. And I, and he gave me the license, but he didn't sign my license. 
I said, why? Mm. What's up? You need to sign the license. He said, because I have integrity. When your pastor see that same gift in you, he will ordain you. I believe in you and I've given you this opportunity, but I'll sign this when your pastor agrees. Well, it took my pastor two years to even believe that women should preach. Didn't what? know. I didn't know that my pastor didn't. He believed that women could do everything in the church except become an ordained minister. So you can speak and all of that. But so my pastor went on a two year journey of searching and came to me two years later. I, I could have gotten ordained online, but God said mm-hmm. you do it the right way. You have integrity and you wait. So God was building me as my wow. pastor. Research. My pastor came to me and I was the first female under his ministry to be ordained as a minister. And so, wow. yep. So I was ordained as a minister about 2002, I think. And I've been preaching ever since. That is a story. <laughs> and I will say that I have heard that, that one portion where everybody has like this moment of like, <laughs> God is either going to be this or it's going to be that. So, wow. Wow. It's real. It's real. So don't think it's like a cliche when people say it. No, people, God, if you deliver me from crack, if if you Mm. take the taste out of my mouth, people have said it and meant it. You know, people in my family have said it and meant it. And so I knew that once I got to that place of, of being desperate and leaned more on God, Listen, I never look back. And again, I won't Mm. say that I've lived a perfect life, but it has been consistent. I've never looked back since I gave my life to God and I've answered the call to preaching. Wow. So for someone like me, right, because I'm one of those people where I grew up in the church. My grandma was Seventh-day Adventist and then we went to my uncle's Baptist church here in Tampa and then we, my mom got married and we started going to this like non-denominational, but heavily Pentecostal church. Mm -hmm. And so I have, I mean, I was going to church like four days a week at this point. So it's like, that is a heavy part of who I am. I connect with the church. I, I feel that. But with that being in the church all the time, there is some hurt there as well. But how do we get to a point or what can you tell someone, even me, who has been hurt by the church? How do we let that that hurt go and realize that every church is not this church that, you know, we were a part of? And how can we move forward from that? Because a lot of times for myself, sometimes I want to go back to that church and say, hey, you know, Y'all was doing some stuff that wasn't right. You know, I don't I don't appreciate it. it. You know, it didn't make me feel good. But obviously, that's not always an option and not always the best option. Yeah. So what would you tell someone that is feeling that church hurt that wants to go back to the church and be a part of a ministry, but doesn't really know how to get started with that? I, I would definitely say read the book, The Bait of Satan. I'm not just going to give advice. I'm going to give you something that you can actually use and apply uh, to this hurt journey. The, the, The Bible tells us, be angry and do not sin. And so in many situations with church hurt, that hurt turns to anger. And any type of anger that is not balanced 
it is going to cause sin, unforgiveness, right? Hatred, bitterness, it's going to cause those things. And so we have to understand how the enemy tries to bait us. The only way the enemy can bait us is with people. Mm. Because even though you're hurt that your car broke down, you're more hurt if someone stole your car. Because right. you know you're going to get the money to fix your car. Or you know you're just going to have to get a new car, right? But if someone stole your car now, you've channeled that hurt not to the car, but to the person and the disappointment to the person mm-hmm. that did it, right? And so anything that, re- that, that involves hurt and anger, when it is not dealt with in balance, it's going to open the door to sin. And that's what the enemy wants. And so we have to see how the enemy is trying to bait us. And the first step is forgiveness. God tells us, put not your trust in man. And what I believe, even as a minister myself, even though we are held to a higher, um, um, we're strongly held accountable for what we do, The Bible tells us not to put our trust in man. And so when we connect to church organizations, when we connect to people in the church, we put them in the wrong position. Mm. The moment you put someone where they don't belong, there is an imbalance of expectations. And so it's, it's somewhat not the people fault. Sometimes we have to take accountability for placing people who does not deserve certain platforms in our heart. We have to look at ourselves and say, why did you put that usher that high when you saw how she treated other people? When you saw how she snatched the fans, you saw how she put through the cover across their lap. (laughs) You saw how she wrote, why did you Why did you platform that preacher when you saw and heard that what he was preaching was not correct? Why did you platform them in your heart? Ask Mm. yourself that question, release yourself from the ignorance and then release them and let God deal with them. So my, 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 my next advice is we have to start minding our spiritual business because see, we want people to pay for the wrong that they've done. And we are not in position to make pay. So when we don't see the results, right? It's like paying for something in the store and they don't give you your bag. Come on, I just paid for this. I need Mm -hmm. my bag. So when we see people do wrong and they do not answer to us, Mm. then we get no fulfillment, right? We're not fulfilled. We don't think justice has been served. Mm-hmm. And so it takes real maturity to say, you know what that person did to me, God. So number one, I'm going to self-reflect and see where I put that person because you're not hurt until you put a person on a platform they didn't deserve. Mm. I'm not hurt with you if I don't have a personal relationship with you. If mm-hmm. I haven't platformed you, if you talk about me, I'm going to be like, oh, I knew you was going to do that. So you didn't hurt me. Right. Right. Secondly, OK, I put them on a on a platform they did not deserve. Now I need to forgive. And then thirdly, now I need to mind my own spiritual business. I need to remove myself if I need to do that. And I need to go on with my life. And then I need to mind my spiritual business and let God handle that that person. It's so simple until mm. it's, it seems hard. I love that minding your own spiritual business. I, I think a lot of times I have 
prayed to God, you know, or journaled and said, you know, God, I'm really, really trying to understand um, why the, all these things are happening. This is not, but it's that that has nothing to do with me. I need to stay, you know, stay in my own lane. So that was correction that I needed. God said, don't question me. Okay. <laughs> and listen, you can question him. You can say, God, why? God, how come? But that's, that's, that's your stopping point right there. Mm. you give him his time to answer you if he answers you this 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 and if he says in a little while i'll answer you he will never leave us in the blind mm. we can question we can, he questioned himself why has thou forsaken me that was a question mm. why have you forsaken me right you can ask the question you just cannot be involved in his results towards other people Mm. y'all if this wasn't for nobody else this was for me okay this this whole episode was for me I am just I don't even know if I can take anything else but I have one more question (laughs) (laughs) so you mentioned that um you know you were pretty much on the road to becoming a supermodel and you were told that you know you were going to be a minister and you really didn't accept that now I'm one of those people where since I was probably born, I was questioning God and what I'm supposed to be doing. I was one of those kids that just, I want to know because I don't, in my mind, I don't want to make a mistake. I don't, I don't want to waste time. I just want to get right into it. Mm -hmm. And life has not been that simple for me ever. Mm -hmm. And so I wonder for like, because you, okay. So because you didn't know, or because you didn't immediately accept what your calling was. I know you said that after a while, like you prayed about it and you had this ultimatum with yourself and things like that. But what can you tell someone like me who is still trying to figure that out? I'm so glad you asked that question. <laughs> so over 10 years ago, I preached this message, one pur- purpose, one purpose, many assignments. Mm. And so this is where the enemy baits us again. We feel like I'm not doing what God called me to do. Everybody else had this awakening and they're preachers, they're prophets. But what am I supposed to do? When God created man, he gave us one purpose. And that was to bring glory to his name. Purpose is never ending. Assignments are. And so when you understand that as a social worker, as someone, as a mom, as someone who is um, interviewing different people and empowering other people, these are all assignments that I am taking, but are those assignments bringing glory to God? That lets you know if you're on purpose or not. Because though I am the founder of Crowning Daughters for Success Enrichment Program, that's not my purpose. Because this business can go down at any moment. Mm. I can lose every contract. My purpose is to bring glory to God. So in whatever I do in life, I am purposed. I am intentional when I bring glory to God. So let me help you. If what you are doing is taking people to God, you are living on purpose. You're just Mm. using different assignments to help your purpose. So 
Teacher, that's not a purpose because it can end. You can get fired tomorrow. Designer, that's not a purpose. You can get fired tomorrow. But if you know that one of your gifts is influence, that can never end. You can use your influence. You can use your gifts of help and service in any area. Just like I told a student yesterday, I don't know my purpose, Mr. Sheikha. And they were like in tears. And I said, listen to me, you are a leader. And that means if you have to go on a corner and put up a sign, don't give up because that empowerment, because that influencer is in you, somebody is going to pass by that sign and say, I'm not killing myself today. Thank you mm. God for that sign. When you think your purpose is to be a doctor, lawyer, and all those things, you don't know what purpose is. Purpose is to bring glory and empowerment mm. to the lives of whoever walks in your direction or connects to you. And then God gets the glory. That is purpose. Wow. Yeah. You, you brought me to tears with that one. Yeah. They know I be, they, y'all know I be crying. (laughs) (laughs) That was good. That was really good. Uh, Yeah. I'm a water bear, but that, that spoke to me for sure. So that's something that I've always like um I've always like questioned, but with you saying that it it like it just it's confirmation for me. So I can appreciate that. I really yeah. can. Yeah. I guess I I guess I'm the person who would like this huge <laughs> like this huge like lightning and thunder, like do do do. This is what you're supposed to be. <laughs> Listen, honey, they can take my teaching <laughs> license. All I have to do is make the wrong mistake, right? All yeah. I have to do is make, not even saying the wrong mistake. All I have to do is make the wrong decision, right? Mm-hmm. And they can say, listen, you're not fit for ministry. We need you to sit down, right? Oh, my purpose is over. I'm not a preacher no more. That is a lie. My purpose still stands because I can call you. I can call my auntie. I can call a friend and still preach that message to you guys and still give glory back to That's never ending. Your purpose does not end until the day you die. You are living on purpose every moment of your life, whether you are in the position of a career, whether you are a mom, a wife, a daughter. See, when positions end, that's why God can't connect purpose with positions because Mm. positions end. If I connected my purpose to my brother, my brother is dead. So do I die? Mm. I could, if I connected my purpose to being a wife, I was divorced. So do I die because somebody didn't want to be married to me anymore? No, your purpose is alive with you and your power, the power that God gives you to make a difference and bringing him the glory. You will be living purpose every day of your life, every second of your life. Mm. Yeah, you changed the definition of the definition of purpose for me because I was linking it to stuff, you know, or or events and engagements and things like that. But no, the purpose is already inside of me. Mm-hmm. And regardless of like you said, regardless of what the what the event is, what the thing is, it's still me. So mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I love that. I love this conversation. <laughs> oh my gosh. You are amazing. Like, uh, 
thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing your light with us and giving us wisdom in the most graceful way. Mm. Um, I really appreciate that. You're so beautiful inside and out. And I'm excited for the girls that get to be a part of your life and you get to pour into them. I I think it's the most amazing thing. Mm. And so thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Please tell everyone where they can find you. Um, where you can be booked and so we can keep this crown and daughters for success going yes you guys please just visit um our website www.cdfs2006.com i'll make sure i type it up for you as well and when you go on you'll see we're going to have a book party january the 16th it is a protect your pearls party and uh So I am doing the pre-sales on the Protect Your Pearls dating guide for women. I was single for about eight, nine years. And I didn't even know that I was protecting my pearls until I got married and went back and reflected on all the decisions I made to cover myself during um, my dating experience. And we have some awesome um, lived experiences. It's a, a journal style guide to assist women in understanding that when you cast your pearls to swine, they will trample all mm. over them. And this is why we have so many hurt women entering meaningful relationships because they didn't protect their pearls. You are your greatest asset. And when you undermine your pearls to be with, then you you are doing a disservice to yourself. And so protect your pearls is, um, I'm telling you, I'm still learning. I'm protecting my pearls while I'm married because sometimes you think once you even say I do, then you let down certain walls and put people on platforms that only God's supposed to be on. Mm. And this is why so many married women are hurt. So protecting your pearls is a fundamental way of keeping you as you go along this journey. So all of those Mm. things can be found on the website. And so hopefully everybody will join us on our virtual book party because we're gonna have a great, great time. I'm excited for that. And I will also link your Instagram at crowningdaughters2006 Mm -hmm. so that they can also find the link there as well. Thank you so much for being a part of this conversation with me. I, if nobody else got something out of this, I definitely did. And I hope that this is only the beginning for us. You, you are like and a joy to talk to. So thank you so much. And so are you, you're, you make, this is what I say. When you get a lot out of a preacher or a teacher, that means you are humble and you are open. When you are closed, you would not have gotten this if you were a closed person because God only (laughs) releases to people who are open. And so that is a compliment to you. If you got all of this out of me, it was because of your genuineness, your openness, and your willingness to want it. So thank you for being open and thank you for being um, in a place of receiving. You're welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Bye, y'all.